Hello dear listeners, this is your host Oshaye. It's so good to be back and we're excited about the interviews coming your way. We've got guests across different verticals from food, public relations, consulting, technology and the social sector to faith, hospitality, music and many more. We've also got two new features to share with you. You asked for it and we listened. We're pleased to introduce the one-to-one Friday newsletter by Origins Africa, where we capture every Friday one lesson, two quotes, and one question from each podcast episode published earlier in the week. Hence the name one-to-one Friday newsletter by Origins Africa. What are you waiting for? To subscribe, simply go to originsafrica.substack.com originsafrica.substack.com First newsletter comes out this Friday. See you there. And now to the second feature. We're excited to let you know that you can now catch video snippets of some of our guest interviews starting with this episode. Check out our channel on YouTube, Origins Africa Podcast. And please do subscribe, like, send in a comment and share. Origins Africa Podcast. Let's make a difference together, one origin story at a time. Thank you. And that's all for now. Enjoy. In my head, I'm like, I just need to get 50 people to walk into the store every day. I thought that was easy. If I got 50 people to buy pineapple, watermelon, and some apples every day, then I should be able to make like, a hundred thousand every day. This was 2010. If I made a hundred thousand every day, every month, that was, um, <laughs> that was three million. Okay. And I felt like, yeah, it's a good business, right? And that was the premise. And then we started November 6th and then we opened the next day and there was nothing. How much? Nothing at all? Or? Because I think we went about maybe between, I think three or 5,000 the next day. Okay. And it stayed like that for a long while. And then the reality eats. This is Origins Africa podcast, where we explore the origin stories of people who have made and are making their dreams come true, asking the what, the when, the how, and the why. I'm Oshaye, and on this episode, we meet Olagoke Balogun the co-founder and CEO of SoulFresh, Nigeria's pioneer and number one healthy food chain, providing fresh, delicious, nutrient-rich healthy meals and committed to promoting a healthy lifestyle. This is the first of a two-part series, and here you hear Goke talk about his early years and defining moments, how SoulFresh started in 2010 as Fruity Veggies, as well as how he came close to quitting the business. There is a famous quote by Reid Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn, which really resonates with many entrepreneurs. According to Reid, if you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you've launched too late. The focal point of this philosophy is that it's more important to launch a product and iterate than take extra time perfecting a product before you launch. This is because most successful entrepreneurs often do not begin with a great idea, but with a very simple idea that solves a real problem. As they work on those simple ideas, they start to understand the market and notice clues which they adopt and change along the way to make the idea or product better. That is exactly how SoFresh started in 2010 from a very simple idea of selling whole, fresh, healthy and dry food to people in an organized, serene, hygienic environment. The business started as fruity veggies and as the name implied, they sold mostly fruits and vegetables. 10 years, several iterations and 14 locations after. 
Fruity Veggies has evolved to what we know today as SoulFresh, Nigeria's pioneer and number one healthy food chain, providing fresh, delicious, nutrient-rich healthy meals and committed to promoting a healthy lifestyle. Today, SoulFresh sells a wide range of fresh salads, juices, smoothies, parfait, fiesta wraps, sandwich, and other quick-on-the-go healthy meals. Curiously, what gave birth to the simple idea of selling fruits and vegetables? So I grew up in Ilori, um, and if anybody's familiar, it's, um, I mean, back in the 80s, 90s, it was quite agrarian, right? So I grew up, I mean, eating fresh foods all the time, and we had big gardens in my house probably had close to like 15 14 types of fruits in the house we had farms so i was just used to eating fruits and vegetables fresh from the farm and it just came it just came naturally um and then when i got to lagos um, much much later you know in you know in my journey i found that i didn't have that easy access any longer and that was you know that was part of things that birth you know the the journey of so fresh okay okay so when you say part of the things what other things okay so that um just being just having that access to you know uh, fresh fruits and vegetables and then the second part of it was going to the market so when i was really young i used to go to the market with my mom a lot and i hated that experience um it was um, of course it was dirty it was always sunny we were walking long distances distances to get to get what we needed so okay. there was one section for vegetables for example and then there was another section for dry fish and another section for meat and so that was not a journey I looked forward to, but I had to do it. Um, I was the last boy, so <laughs> I had to do it a lot. The last boy, but not the last child, or both the last boy and last no, child? No, not the last child. The okay. last child, yeah, yeah. I have a sister. Okay. And two other brothers. Okay. So, so when I got, same to when I got married, I moved to Lagos with my wife and... I started the same journey with, with her, you know, so we'll go to the market together and I just started reliving all those, you know, um, youthful years. I didn't like the experience as well. Um, not because I didn't like shopping, but because they were dirty, a lot of times smelling flies. And I thought that was not the best way to, to shop, you know, and then um, I started telling my wife that I, I think we can change this there's, there should be a better way this was 2009 what was that discussion okay i'm not even sure um shop had come into nigeria right so oh, okay i had never seen an organized food or what you can call a farmer's market i'd never okay. seen it so i just started to think about it so this was 2008 2007 2008 okay i started thinking about it so so those two things, that experience that I didn't have easy access and then the experience of going to the markets all the time, you know, that, and then, you know, of course my wife got pregnant and then sometimes, you know, so she gave birth and then sometimes I have to hold the baby in the car, sometimes I have to go together. And then I was always, you know, I was in oil and gas, so I was always going on and off. So sometimes I would leave her for two weeks. Okay. So I didn't just like, you know, that experience of her shopping, you know, it used to be a bar. Uh, okay. of my market because we lived close by and so we said let's change this um, I would like to shop in an organized serene environment where you have all everything in one place you have your fruits you have your vegetables you have your food stuff so that was the original idea for so fresh to sell just all fresh healthy and dry foods but in a more organized setting. In an organized setting. to give convenience. Yeah, so. convenience, you know, clean, hygienic. Yeah. Okay. And this was 2007, 2008. Yeah, when the conversation started. Then you went live, so to say, in 2010. So what happened in between? So in between, um, I traveled out. Okay. With my company, by okay. training, to South Africa. 
And then funny story, we got there. Um, of course, um, it's, it's, it was it was during the winter, and we were told that we we're going to go to the market to do winter shopping. Okay. That was so um, we we're about 25, 40 thereabouts. So they they packed us in the in the bus, and then we drove off to the market. Um, and then we got to the market, and then you know they said we we're at the market, and I'm like, this is not possible. Why? Because it was a mall and everything looked clean. Everything looked sparkling. The shops were shining. I'd never, unfortunately, I'd never seen a mall in my life. You know, I see. Okay. Mall. And I'm like, this can't be a market. This is not what I call markets in Nigeria. But of course, you know, we went around, we shopped for um, some warm clothing. Then I entered, you know, pick and pay and was just like shop right. And I was blown away. I saw this huge fruits and vegetables section. And I'm like, this is exactly what I've been thinking I see. about. Okay. And the next day we went to another store. I think it was called, I can't remember. I think it's now Food Lovers Market. It used to be called a name. Okay. Yeah. And all they sold in that store was fruits and vegetables. So imagine like a an half size of a shop right size and everything there was fruits and vegetables. And, vegetable. and I would always go there, just spend I, I, I spent two and a half years in South okay. and I always spend hours just shopping around. I mean I saw apples, peppers almost looking like plastic, you know. So I I fell in love again and that rekindled you the know, idea. The, the idea. Okay. So we got back in two thousand and Eight okay, um, to Nigeria, um, and then I, so I was I started working again, you know, I went for training, and um, there and then we started planning and strategizing, and then in 2010, we went live just selling fruits, okay, vegetables, um, that was what we were selling. Uh, we had some like grocery stuff, um, so they were mostly canned fruits. Okay. And vegetables. Okay. So if you came into the store in the very early days, that was all we did, all fruits. Okay. So you returned in 2008. Yep. So what happened? I know you mentioned you're planning and strategizing between 2009 and 2010. So of course, I just got back. Um, we just finished training. Um, and then I had to resume fully at work. Um, so I was back to home. So I, I was working you know um within those years basically my wife started a law firm okay um she's a lawyer she started a law firm so we we're both working and then somewhere in 2009 um we got serious with the idea again what happened was there a trigger uh there, so this this time there was no specific trigger um but i think you know the I mean, we just kept thinking about it and maybe the growing frustration of having to go to the markets, not having, you know, easy accessibility to the kinds of fruits and vegetables we would like to eat. Interestingly, she also had the same experience growing up because she grew up in Ofa. Ofa is just about 40 minutes from Ilorin. Oh, okay. So we had about the same experience. And so when we started sharing, it was mutual. Okay. And to sometime mid to 2009, we decided to go for this. Okay. What does, you started in 2010. Yes. So mid to 2009, decided to go for this. What does that mean? Or what did that entail? Yeah. So we decided that we were going to do this. We we're going to open a fruits and vegetable store. And so we, um, so I mentioned we started doing research. So first of all, you know, where do we buy fruits? So we went to one of the fruit markets, you know, all the fruit, all the big fruit markets in Lagos, my um, 12, K2. There's one at Bongibo. Um, okay. There's one around Oshodi Den. I think that that's no longer there. Um, doing research, trying to find suppliers. Um, so you need to find suppliers. Yes, finding okay. suppliers, costing all of that. We were also um, doing research on even how do we preserve fruits okay. and all of that. Um, because there is a, I mean, there's a science behind everything, really. Um, so there are even fruits you don't store together. Uh, for example, apple with other fruits make the other fruits spoil faster. So I we see. have to learn all of that. So I'm a stickler for like details, like doing everything right. Okay. Uh, my wife is the let's, let's go and let's move. So <laughs> a great compliment. So... 
Yeah, we, we spent time doing all of that. Then we started looking for the property, a space, um, registered the company. Um, um, what was the name then? So the name was Fruity Veggies. Okay. I coined the name and with the with you know with with the benefit of hindsight, I say it's a very ugly name. <laughs> uh, that was my name. That was one I coined. I just joined fruits and veggies. And I called it fruity veggies. What did your wife say when she heard it? She, I mean, she, 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 she it was okay. She, she liked it then. Uh, okay. Or, or I think she liked it. Maybe she didn't say she didn't like it. Um, and then people found it very difficult to pronounce. Some would say fujite, fruitiji. <laughs> Um, but of course, down the line, we changed the name to this perfect name, yeah. which was the you know brainchild of my wife. So you can see ah, it was a very much better name than, <laughs> than the one I had. Yeah. When did this change happen? What year? So fresh. So in two, in 2013, um, okay. the business had gone through you know um, quite quite a few phases. Then three years after, we decided to move the business to Ikoi. Okay. But not just about that, we had evolved over time. Okay. So it was not just it was no longer just about fruits and vegetables. So we thought we needed to have a name that reflected where the brand was going to. Okay. And so that was what you know um gave rise to the name change in 2013. And you heard it from your wife, did you like it on the spot or you grew on your spot? So we had spent about five months experimenting with different names. Oh. Nature Fresh. Um, nature and this whole and clean. We were trying, with, and then one day she called me and said, "So fresh," and I said, "Yes, that's it." Yeah. <laughs> okay, interested. Uh, I'll go back a bit. So you've been the detailed research guy. Your wife been the spontaneous one. Did she sometimes get frustrated with how long research took in two thousand and nine oh, before you eventually launched? Okay, and she would constantly ask me, uh, "What?" Are we still doing this or we're not doing it again? Um, at a point in time, she believed this, was, this wasn't going to happen again. But okay. in my mind, I was just like processing and, and all of that. And so that 2010, maybe around mid, mid-year, June, June, July, we were now actively searching for... We started talking about searching for a property. Okay. And, but of course, the me was still busy trying to plan and all of that. And then one day I'd gone to work um, and then she called me and said she has found a property. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, and she was right to, to her, like this guy would never start this <laughs> thing. So she just went out and told me she found a property. It's very good, all of that. Okay. okay. So I came back, we checked it together somewhere in Ogba and we liked the property. And then- Were you guys staying in Ogba it. then as well? No, so we were staying around Ujodubega. Okay. So we paid for the property in 2000. Yeah, sometime in, I think, um, September or August. You had funds set aside already or you had to start saving for it yeah, or so, raise money for it? Yes, yeah, so we had funds set aside. Um, basically, our savings. Um, so we used our savings to start the business. So if not for maybe the push from your wife, do you think you'd have started eventually? Hmm. That um, so so I I say that probably not, um, not because I didn't want to do it, but some events happened shortly after we started. So we started in November, two thousand and ten. Three weeks later, I got a letter from my company that I had to go on training in the U.S. for another one year, and I always have a feeling that if we had not started before, I got that letter. Would have, would have, because she eventually joined me, you know, for about nine months within the one year, would have rationalized that there's no point starting. Let's say I got that thing like two weeks before we started, I said, how are we going to start a business mm. and I'm leaving, we're leaving. So, um, yeah, so maybe not. I mean, and I mean, going to the US was another experience. I I, I wouldn't know if, if, if I had gone and come back, I would still have that interest. <laughs> I really can't say now. But then, um, I was, I now traveled in February. We started in November. November. So basically left the business to someone else to run it. Even though my wife was around for a short while after I left. Um, so maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I push, you know, certainly, certainly was a motivating factor in, you know, starting that. that okay. Early, yeah. 
So you left it to someone to run whilst you're doing the training and your wife was, I guess, busy with a lot of practice as well? Busy with a lot of practice, you know, um, pregnant with the second child. Okay. And so sometime mid, well, a little bit before mid-2011, she joined me in the U.S. as well. Okay. Um, how long were you guys there for? Just a year. Okay. So we're back 2011. Okay. And what was the... Of the business, I, I am sure you are having frequent calls with who was handling. Yes. Yeah, so when we started the business, um, I'd always so I had a job while we started this business. My wife had a lot of practice. So from day one, we had always imagined that um, we were not going to be on ground running this business twenty four seven. So that was a mindset which which we started setting up the company. Okay. Um, so trying to put some structures and system right from the start. Okay. Um, the training policies, SOPs, even though it was a really small space. But again, because I'd had long years working in very organized environments, I'd worked in USC, I'd worked in NBC, that's Coca-Cola, you know, I'd worked in Chevron. So we brought that to bear when we're setting up, you know, initially. So yeah, there was a lot of structure and systems around, even, you know, reporting, what to do, what not to do, and all of that. So, yes, while I was away, um, it was managing. Um, um, so, before the world started doing uh, work from home, <laughs> I was running my business from, <laughs> from the US. Yeah, so, it was emails, it was weekly calls, you know, monthly calls, and all of that. And, yeah. Was it booming? So, no, it wasn't booming. Um, so business was not what we thought it was. Um, so when we, when we started, I mean, we, we did some, I, even though I had a lot of interest in business, maybe already fee business, but I didn't really understand what running the business looked like. So in my head, I'm like, I just need to get 50 people to walk into the store every day. I thought that was easy. Um, then they were going to buy pineapple. Pineapples will probably maybe 100 or 200 naira then or less. So I said, if, if, because we like fruits, we eat fruits a lot. So I thought if somebody, if I got 50 people to buy pineapple, watermelon, and some apples every day, then I should be able to make like 100,000 every day. This was 2010. If I made 100,000 every day, every month, that was, um, <laughs> that was 3 million. Okay. And I feel like, yeah, it's a good business, right? And that was the premise. And then we started November 6th. Of course, we called, we didn't even know a lot of people in Lagos. We just moved to Lagos in 2008. Okay. 2010, everybody we knew, maybe like less than 20 people in Lagos. We called them for the opening. My wife's family lived in Lagos. Two of them, they came for the opening. You know, it was a very, you know, nice setting. And then we made about 25,000. Okay. The first day? The first day. Okay. Mostly from people we invited, right? And then we opened the next day and there was nothing. How much? Nothing at all? Or? Okay, so I think we went about maybe between, I think three or 5,000 the next day. Okay. And it stayed like that for a long while. And then... The reality is, I mean, there was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of enthusiasm starting the business. Who doesn't eat fruits and vegetables? But getting customers into the store became the first biggest challenge for us. One, people are not used to shopping in shopping fruits and vegetables like that in 2010. And we had a local market just you know, opposite us. And even though we priced at the same thing, people did uh, because if you came into us and say, well, you wanted apples, it was 100 naira, we would say it was 100 naira. But then if you go to the local market and say it was 110, maybe they might accept 95 or the same 100 at the end of the day. So people would prefer to go across the market to the street and, you know, buy the open because market. Because they can buy again. Because they can buy again. Um, also because we're not attracting a lot of customers. So in the early days, our fruits, when we got them, wasn't as fresh because ours stayed longer. So if we, if we were not going to the market every day. So what you find most in open markets are every day, they went to the market to buy new supplies from okay. farmers bringing it. We bought and kept for a few days. And then, so all of that 
made it difficult. However, when we when we started the first one month, we found out that customers came in and a few of them started asking for, oh, can we do you do fruit packs, fruit salad? We said no. People would come and say, what about juices? No. What about smoothies? And when those requests becoming you know became persistent, I said, wow, customers are telling us something. This is what they want. This is probably how they see this store. They are not coming to this store to buy pineapples, but when they want ready-made stuff, they want they, they, they are coming to the store. So I remember driving straight down to game. This was in, still before you traveled. No, we started the business. Yeah, this was before we traveled, yes. This was just a month after we started. Okay. Sales wasn't growing. I don't think we eat more than 10,000 per day in in the first one month. Okay. So I drove straight to game. Um, and then I just entered the game then. I just asked them for what's your biggest juicer and your biggest smoothie maker. Got it and brought it into the store. Um, it was a very tight, small table. Put it in the center of the store, put the juicer and the smoothie maker there. And that was what birthed, you know, the like foundation of what we do today. So we started making juices and smoothies. But be, sorry, but before that, you had never made juices and smoothies before. For for sale. No. Even for, what are for yourself? Uh not really. And then no. you demand was so customers so, were asking for it, and you yeah, said to go. But I traveled to South Africa, and I saw I had you know juices and smoothies made, yeah, okay. fresh. But I, it was not something we, I did myself okay. ever. For customers that were coming, so we were falling. I mean, the, the store was really set up, really nice, you know, excellent. Okay. So we were attracting like really, you know, um, high income customers. Okay. They were the ones that were coming, the few estates around. Okay. People came from Magudo. People came from some estates in oh, Oba. Okay. Yeah. Some of them are traveled out. Some of them are lived outside the country. And they just, when they came to the store, they loved the store. They were like, wow, this is excellent. They had never seen this before. Okay. This looks like what I found when I was oh, away and all of that. And so we got, you know, the smoothie and the juice, juice maker, and then we started doing juices and smoothies. Did you learn it or you just happened at the spot? Or? You have to learn. So I'm a very DIY person. Um, went online, researched about, you know, how to make juices, how to make smoothies, what kind of recipes you can combine and why all of that. So we started putting, you know, of course, it was very simple at first. Watermelon, pineapple, pineapple and orange. They started experimenting with them, um, fruit packs, you know, fruit, fruit salads. And so we were doing that and we found out that customers were like loving that. Um, okay. That was bringing in customers. Okay. Right. Um, and then this was the second month. This was about the second, third month. This and, and sales like tripled. Okay. And this was bringing in customers. And as they were coming in, they were also, uh, of course, now buying the whole fruits. Okay. Yeah. And, then we started adding other things, um, some groceries, mostly healthy groceries. Some of them we started bringing them in, importing them. So things like chia seed, flax seed. Okay. Again, remember this was 2010. You can probably find all of those things in no, most supermarkets. But then? It wasn't there. Again, the addition of those those um, healthy groceries, like even things like granola. We used to import in granola, um, muesli, oats, Flaxseed, chestseed, avocado oil, um, coconut oil. Those things are also pivotal because those were things that, so the health awareness has started growing. Okay. And one, so fresh became one of, fruity veggies then became one of the, so I say, oh, you're looking for flaxseed. Oh, I bought my own at fruity veggies. Veg. So they came for flaxseed. But then they found, so oh, they have these juices, okay. they have smoothies. And um, you hadn't started parfait then? No, we hadn't started parfait. Parfait is still a long way. Ah, okay. <laughs> if I we are not doing, we weren't doing vegetable salads. We we're just doing um, juices, smoothies, and food packs. Okay. And then we we're doing groceries. Okay. Um, we we did series, healthy series. We did all with pasta. Okay. So everything around, you know, elder, you know, versions and all that. We did not. We were bringing in pistachios and all of that. Still in that, you know, really small, really okay. small space. 
However, it was still not um, at the level expected. Um, USL expecting to be making three million monthly. Yes, and well, at the moment we're you're probably doing like one point five two there about monthly. Yeah, monthly. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, monthly. Then yeah, and so now we. So now I have to travel out. So I left in February. And so uh, and then my wife probably joined me around June or July or thereabouts. Okay. And basically business stalled, right? Because, I mean, it was a newly employed manager we put there with staff. So even though I was coming home periodically every three months, um, what we just wanted the guys to do was to maintain. So we maintained what we had. There was really no growth but the business was there and it wasn't profitable. Okay. And so, but, you know, we knew maybe because we are not around and all of that. So we came back in 2011 and then we faced the business again. Um, when you say you fixed it? We faced, we faced okay. the business, yeah. Um, started adding new stuff. Um, so if I would started, we brought in things like yams, potatoes, oh, okay. dry fish, um, some snacks. We, we just had adding, you know, adding stuff to to what we were doing. And sales was growing, but at a very slow pace. And then, you know, again, reality setting um, that a business has bills to pay, right? So um, we had to renew rent. Okay. And then the business wasn't profitable. So um, government you know, um, taxes, agencies, local government levies started getting interested. And we found when they came into the city, oh, this is a beautiful store. You guys know what our money, this is like, this is like, you know, this is like an abroad store. And then they will slam all bills and then we'll start trying to negotiate and all of that. And then, you know, the power situation, you know, spending a lot. Summary what I'm saying was there was stuff. Um, business wasn't profitable. Um, and we were still not getting enough customers into the store. So at the peak of what we did daily was about average 15. Okay. The very good days, it was going to be like 60, 70, which was really fine between. It was tough. We weren't able to cover our expenses. Okay. Um, and so the next thing we did was I eat the streets. Yeah. Um, there was no... Instagram, um, Facebook ads. I'm not sure there was. I'm sure that there was Facebook, but I didn't even know about Facebook ads. There were not even too many Nigerians on Facebook. There was mm-hmm. no Twitter. So I'd eat the streets, um, got flyers, got an army of two, three. My wife would be in the store. I think I learned though before this that maybe you hadn't been really keen or interested in advertising. I think I heard something around that. Uh, yeah, so not I was not keen, but I was not knowledgeable. So my the the knowledge that what I thought was have a good product, customers, customers will come. come, but no, they will not come <laughs> because they were not coming. So I had to go out and I eat the streets. I walked the length and breadth of every estate around Ogba, name it College Road, wow. everywhere. Then down to Magudo, Omole Phase 1. Um, yeah, sorry, not Magudo, Omole Phase 1. Um, up to Bega. Then the opposite. This was every State. weekend. Not every weekend. You know, I was doing two weeks on two weeks. Every day okay. I was around, every single day. Got like three, four guys with me. Walked every street, distributing flyers. Down to Adeni Jones. Just everywhere around, around Ogba. We were doing that every day for about three, four months. It did yield results. Okay. But still Wasn't not enough. enough, right? And around about the three-year marks, I started to get frustrated um, because I was working in the oil and gas, earning really good pay. And I was basically supporting the business with, with all, you know, funds, you know, savings, all of that. You know, the same thing with my, and I started asking myself, why am I doing this? Right. Um, I could have this money for myself, travel a few couple of times in the year and really live a good life. I mean, you incentive know, to start be, you know, <laughs> I mean, besides you have a good job. So what was the problem? So I called my wife and I said, 
Baby, this thing is not working. What year was this? This was 2013. Okay. Early 2010. I said, baby, this thing is not working. And she agreed. But, you know, um, so we had a lengthy discussion. We call it the strategy session. <laughs> it, was, it was happening everywhere, really, in the dining, on the bed, on the road, everywhere. But said, this thing is not working. We're spending a lot of money. And I didn't have, you know, I remember I said I didn't have a lot of business knowledge. So I was trying to say, oh, this business should not make a loss. Mm-hmm. So I was giving money to the company. I wasn't accounting for it. Oh. So I'll just buy, if I buy raw material, I'll buy it so that the company will not make a loss. And I didn't even know that I could write it against the books of the business oh. as a loan. So I was doing all of that in the beginning years. I, I didn't want this business to make a loss, you know. Um, so I was, I was just supporting the business with money, you know, when we needed stuff, but it wasn't covering its expenses. So after three years, I said, we've done this thing for three years. I think we should just pack this thing up. It wasn't making sense and all of that. And so um, about half year, we brought in an accountant. And 2013, half year, you brought in an accountant. Okay, no, no, so not 2013. Um, okay, so we we had an auditor before. Okay. Yeah, so 2013, I had a friend accountant that, you know, has had a lot of experience in the banking industry. So I, I brought him to just... Could my post make sense of these these numbers? And then I remember I did the numbers and told me that before we can start making profit, we needed to eat a particular revenue per month. Okay. And it was like times four of wow. what we're doing. And I'm like, this guy's crazy. Well, I, I really want me to get times four what I'm doing, right? Like, I didn't believe him. Mm. So this guy does the form stuff. Okay. So I said, okay, that's Wait, fine. You didn't believe that you needed times four, or you didn't believe I didn't that times four. Like you know, you know how you do. You know, if you are not really knowledgeable, I'm like, no. If I if I can make, so maybe then I'm making like two two point five. If I can make five million, you'll be fine. I'll be fine. He's now saying you need times four. That's he's like saying, ten million. Yeah, no, no, it does. It does. It said. It says that it was said at the minimum times three. Okay. Like, I don't know if I can just double this revenue. You come here. I didn't even understand a lot about, you know, you know, COG, you know, that's cost of goods sold, you know, your inventory, the cost of storage, because okay. one, if you increase revenue, so many other costs would oh, increase, well. right? So my, in my head, it was, if I go from <laughs> 2.5 to 5, you're fine. I'm fine. <laughs> so, I, of course, I thanked the guy, the guy left, and I just told my wife, this thing is not, will, will not work. So, Guke got to that point in his journey where he felt like quitting. But before we proceed to what happened next, let's explore the early childhood experiences and defining moments that Goke had growing up, which formed the entrepreneur and leader he's become today. And we'll get to that right after this short break. Don't go anywhere. I'm Oshaye and you're listening to Origins Africa podcast. Hi, dear listener. If you love our show, please leave us a review on iTunes and Apple Podcast. You can also send us a tweet or comment on Instagram at OriginsAF. We love to read from you. Nope, not later. Yes, I read your mind. Do it now. Thanks a lot. Also, you can now watch video snippets of some of our guest interviews. Simply go to Origins Africa Podcast on YouTube origins africa podcast don't forget to subscribe like our videos and share let's make a difference together one origin story at a time hi guys welcome back to origins africa podcast so what was growing up like for guki as a young boy in the city of Ilorin? i'm gonna it was really fun um very easy, um, what, what people now call soft life. <laughs> Lagos is hard life, right? Um, Lauren was really soft. Um, I had fun, you know, growing up. Um, um, th- I mean, I, I mean, things were much, you know, safer, you know, saner. I remember being able to, you know, go by myself as, as little as, you know, 10, walk distances, kilometer to play with friends and come back home or walk in the streets all by ourselves. And when I was in 
um, class four. Um, I, I remember going every day from like Okwebi to let's say Oshodi for lessons, common mm. entrance lessons. So it was that, it was that. It was, it was just a lot of fun. Um, you know, um, yeah, so I had a, you know, interesting time, you know, growing up. How was mom like and dad? Uh, were they strict or warm and fuzzy? No, so not really. Um, no, so not really. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider them strict. Um, but of course, is this in like, hindsight? No, no. Even then, um, okay. but there were boundaries. Okay. Um, my dad. Uh, for example, wasn't the beating type, maybe okay. once or twice, and well deserved. I, I can even remember what I did, you know, okay, that warranted that, for example. Um, but of course, there were boundaries, it was, it was a lot of you know, loving, and you know, um, my leadership style, for example, is very democratic, and I learned that from my dad, so he took a lot of decisions. I don't know, maybe he just was trying to okay uh, but it took a lot of decisions involving the kids things as simple as you wanted to buy a car you wanted to move to a new house you know oh, wanted okay. to travel on vacation okay where should we go for the weekend and that's what I tried to do so it was a lot of you know loving a lot of you know community you know you know growing up would you say how the great influence on you I think I maybe I just say is it your dad Ah, so it must be my mom, and the the main reason was for that was so around about the time when I was uh, maybe like between eleven and thirteen, I can I can be sure. My dad traveled out okay. um, for about seven years. Oh, okay. And that there was no video call. There was no letters uh, so and nightel. We used to drive down to a commissioner's house in Lorry. Then the days it was going to call okay. the night. Sometimes I followed my mom. So I um, mean, you know, that was when I could. That was when I could have had a lot of really. So mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm probably closer to my mom just because of that period. Like my brother, because they had they were spent well some time with him before okay. he traveled. So. So came back after seven years, and by the time I was coming back, I said I, I was I, I went for service here the next. I see. Uh, the next year. Okay. And so, yeah. So maybe the greater influence would be my mom, but I mean, he also had a lot of influence um on me. Um, yeah, just growing up, especially you know, um, being a great dad, a great husband. And but I was my dad was almost always around mm. in the house and yeah so I'm almost almost always around too right um so I learned a lot from he really prioritized his um his family and um, so I learned a lot from him you know resilience you know he he was a lecturer he lost his eyes he did, like seventy to eighty percent lost his eyesight. And so that really had a great impact on him. But through that, you know, he weathered that storm, rediscovered himself, picked up new interests, and, you know, he came back up again. So I, I really learned a, a lot from, from him as well. So looking back through the years growing up, what would you say were defining moments that shaped who you've become today? I mean, so one of it will be... When my my dad had you know some eye and then he was retrenched, um, I can't remember the year, and he had to travel out to seek medical attention. Right, um, that period was tough. One, um, dad was not around. My my brother, my two brothers had left home, so I had a more what would I call I'm mean, I'm the third one. Usually I don't have a lot of responsibilities, but dad had gone. My brother was in the university. My brother was you know, living with another aunt. So I had a lot of responsibilities, you know, in, in the in the house. But more more than that was that finances in the home was really not constricted. Dad wasn't working. Mom was also a lecturer and we had so many people living with us apart from just, you know, the siblings, which were four. And so 
my mom started doing business. Probably that was part of what played in my conscience. She started doing business. She was selling, you know, at the point time she was selling yam flour, palm oil. She was lecturing. Then, you know, eventually my dad got, uh, you know, he, he, my dad was able to process his gratuity from the Paris state. And then we really thought, I'd, how, what, what would I going to do with this money? And so we started business. We started a photocopying business. And I was in charge of that. And those years doing this photocopy business, by my first year when I didn't get admission to the school, all most of my colleagues not got I mean, university of learning. I was doing photocopying. I used to be, you know, a bit really ashamed then, you know, but I'm like, it is what it is, you know. I so I went back to take jump and all of that story. But but that period, you know, made me very resourceful. Um it was in thinking back, I knew how much that period had impact. I, I was running the business together with my mom. I remember I would drive in the we had jobs. So because she was a lecturer, she got like maybe copying jobs from the school. So and there was usually power in the night. So we would drive to the to the office, you know, the shop. And my mom, a lecturer, she was supposed to sleep overnight, would take shifts. So um, because she was going to go to the office the next day, she will probably she will start the shift. She can start around ten, and she will do for the copying till two. She will wake me up. She will go back to sleep, and then I'll run it till six, seven. We we'll drive home. She will take her bath, and she will go back to uh, until we like. So eventually, we engage staff, you know, one or two, and so I was managing. Then we went from in college. It was college of education, so we had two photocopy machines. Then we had one in the university. So before I entered university, I was managing two, three locations. You know, doing photocopying. I really enjoyed it. You know, I even started getting to know how to do some minor repairs. So I became very resourceful. I learned about business, also managing people, sourcing, and all of that. So. That, that that was one period um, that was really, um, you know, um, defined. Shaped who you shaped, are. Shaped, shaped, shaped who I was. I didn't even realize of course, at all. Of course, right? of course. Yeah. Um, I think I, another thing was just the way I grew up. So I grew I was, I was I grew up a church boy. Okay. Um, and the church I attended was really unique. Um, and maybe that period as well. Um there was a lot of connection and family orientation. Let me say community. Okay. And that really shaped, you know, who I was. Um, because I had just so many great friends um, that were just were just happy being involved in each other's lives, you know, you know, looking out for the good of each other. There was friendship. Uh, and I'm not talking of one, two people, like imagine, you know, 20, 30, 40 people, our parents who are friends, who are friends okay. up to now, you know, we're so, I have actually a very strong sense of, you know, community. Sometimes the way I relate with my staff, they're a bit surprised because I really don't see them. I just see it as a community of people together, you know, forget about is the CEO, is the owner, let's forget about that. When we are doing interviews, like you can mention that, but when we are working, so I really believe in that, in a strong sense of community and all of that. I mean, I, I guess those were like two really defining you know, moments defining, for, yeah, you. for me. Yeah. What dreams did you have then as a young what? boy? What did you hope to become? <laughs> Plenty of dreams. Interesting. Not running, running business was not one of them. Um, <laughs> As you know, as a young one, I, I you know I'd been a pilot in my head, I'd been okay. a in my head, and accounting. But when I started having maybe some really structured dream, I, I just knew that I thought I was going to go into research. Okay. Because I wanted to be uh, an inventor, uh, so I thought I was going to do research, and I just think that I wanted to make a lot of money because I wanted to help the society. So I know I had dreams of like having. You know, making so much money, being able to build good schools, being able to build hospitals. Um, in terms of dreaming, that's probably, you know, the dreams that formed me the most. Just being able to afford to be able to provide 
you know, those kinds of um, facilities with people. So you've always been an impact-driven person. Yes. And I also was going to be free. I was going to have so much money. I was going to build hospitals mm. free, build schools, you know, people attended free. Yeah. Where would you say this? I've not done that. I've not done that though. <laughs> well, you started with so fresh, like yeah. you said, and you haven't the impact already. But where would you say that drive came from? The need to want to build schools and um, hospitals to help people. Uh, so I'm not sure. Um, I'm not really sure how how that came about. Um, um, yeah, so I'm not sure. Okay, that's fine. I'm sure. <laughs> How did you then end up studying biochemistry in the university? It was jam. <laughs> okay. So I was supposed to be a medical doctor. I wanted to study medicine. So I wrote jam the first year. I did well, but I didn't make the cut off. I think I got to be two, twenty something. Um, well, you offered an alternative course, but you rejected. I was, I, I, I didn't even pursue it. So I did, so I did jump again, and then I went to do A levels. I, okay. I did jump again. Interesting, I got about the same score, maybe just like two, maybe like two, two, four instead of two, two, two. Okay. I still didn't get admission. Then I did IGMB, and then I had the goods. I also had a good score. I, I think I had a, then it was 11 over 15 points. I had 11 points, but then the cutoff for medicine that it was 14 uh-huh. points because there was a lot of. So I had to study for biochemistry. Like, I can't be doing this. And I just. Did you enjoy it? So I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed biochemistry. I was the best student in my class, um, best graduating student. I really enjoyed doing biochemistry. And my lecturers wanted me to come back mm. to come and work and do and all of that, but I didn't just no, I didn't think that was the right move then. So I said no. And um my some of my uncles wanted me to go back to study medicine. And I didn't just see it like I'm not going to go and do another five years mm. of this in the Nigerian university. And there was a lot of like clamor because so another small interesting story. I would have been the first medical doctor in my village. Ah. As I then there was no medical doctor. My dad was the first doctor of letters. Ah. So for example, you go to my village and say you're looking for doctor. So that's my dad. But was doctor of letters. I would have continued being the first medical doctor. So everyone was that you know. My people, let me go and find my my <laughs> So yeah, so I did biochemistry. I really enjoyed it. Um, it was a great course, but I didn't go back to do. Even some of my lecturers wanted me to come back and do medicine. I said no. At that point, what did you hope to do? So at this point, I wanted to get a job in a multinational company. Okay. Start a life. That was As a it. biochemist or something else. I was biochemist. So I was thinking I'll, I'll I'll work in the lab. Um, I can work in the lab. I can work in quality. Those, those are things I had in mind. They weren't coming, you know. Um, of course, job wasn't that, you know. This was 1990, 2003. Okay. So I started applying for jobs. And then I got a job at USC restaurant, Mr. Biggs. Let's do it. Um, As the manager of the... So that is for so. Okay. I spent just four months. And then I got a job at sales um, in... Coca-Cola. And then I left. And then I did sales for about one and a half years. And then I got a job with the oil company. How was the experience? How would you compare experience at Mr. Biggs with Coca-Cola and then the oil company? So my best job for me was Mr. Biggs. I oh, loved it. Okay. Um, so I love that experience because I was responsible for the outcome of the store. So I was okay. managing the store. I was learning sales. I was learning HR, people management. I was learning inventory. Okay. I was learning production management. I was learning supply chain. I was in with suppliers. And in four months, I really gave myself to that job. I learned so much. And the first few years of SoFresh, those those experiences of four months was well, really helpful. Uh, I see. In you know designing system and all of that and all of that and all of that. So yes, um, Mr. Biggs would. I enjoy, but the pay was mega. Okay. I remember. I think my salary was twenty seven thousand five hundred. Mm-hmm. Then I'll get a one time ninety thousand. I was in 
whatever, and rent an hour, twenty-seven thousand five hundred, and they didn't even pay me for four months. Uh-huh. Because then they had just really started our franchising program. So when they employed us, they didn't know if they were going to give us the franchise or it was going to. There was that back and forth for four months. I was still collecting money from my brother, from Indonesia, uh-huh. from home sometimes. Eventually, they paid the fourth month. And I got my I got employment letter from Calcula that same month. Okay. So I just, once I collected my money, I just dropped my registration letter. And how was it? You spent one and a half years in sales. So I didn't like the sales job. I didn't, so I didn't like my calculator job. It was paying me like times four, so I had to go. Okay. It was a no-brainer, but I didn't like the job. Um, it was a few job. I was out every day. So the, so, so uh, NBC, Coca-Cola started this um, market, market develop, development. Uh, I don't know if they still do it. So we go out, you know, take orders from dealers, go into the market, make sure that the dealers are also supplying their own sub, you know, customers, um, make sure the merchandising was right. So I was just on the street in the field in the sun every day for one and a half years. Maybe sometime around after one year, my mom gave her a car. Okay. Gave me a car to 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 ease that. Okay. You know, to ease to ease that. But I I didn't like it. Um, but I learned a lot from it. Again, um, the answer I tell people, I gave myself to it. I didn't know that one day I was going to run a business. I was going to have to think about sales and marketing. Because I was about to say that that probably helped in you going walking around the streets. Yeah, so, so even though I didn't like the experience. Um, I didn't just like it at all. And it was a lot of, so the most pressured job at NBC was sales, right? It was a lot yeah, of targets to hit. And I also learned that, I mean, Coca-Cola, I see they sell, they sell like they're a new company in the market. Mm. They sell like they're a new company in the market. So I, that was the job I enjoyed the least. <laughs> so, and I mean, I grew up in Illinois. The, so I was even I, my area was the interiors place I never even been to like I was okay. dealing with real local you know um, people going into the street you know selling basically selling coke and, and all of that um, and at times it was frustrating but it's what I had and so I, I did it and when I got back home I, I was frustrated I woke up the next morning and I did it so one and a half years then I got the old job another job oil and gas sweet pay first of all as I got a job but first of all went to trade in South Africa 20 years one of the best times we are not worried about food <laughs> utilities anything okay uh, transport even transport they, they took us to and from work every day so yeah okay so you got married and you guys decided to move to Lagos? So I got married while training in South Africa. Okay. And then when we came back, we first of all went back to Iran. And then after like six months, I'm like, what am I? Because we could, I, could, I could live anywhere. I was working in, you know, not really offshore, but some area. So my wife said, you know, she would like to move to Lagos. She probably have more opportunities okay. and all of that. So we moved to Lagos in 2008, 2009. Okay. I go back to 2008 and moved to Lagos 2009. Okay, okay. Interesting. And I started business in 2010. With these experiences that shaped the man Gokes become today, how was he able to navigate that trying period when he felt like giving up and calling it quits? How was Guke able to build SoulFresh into Nigeria's pioneer and number one healthy food chain? Find out next week on Origins Africa podcast. Thank you for listening to our show this week. If you liked it, do leave us a review, a comment, and share with your friends. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend and to tell another friend. We would also love to read from you. So please do send us a tweet or leave a comment on Instagram at OriginsAF. You can also write to us at OriginsAfricaPodcast at gmail.com. Remember, do subscribe at wherever you get your podcast: Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, amongst others. Catch our one-to-one newsletter where we share with you one lesson, two quotes, 
and one question from each episode published. You'll find it at originsafrica.substack.com originsafrica.substack.com And of course, if you like it, please click the like button, leave a comment, share with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe. I'm Oshaya, and you've been listening to Origins Africa Podcast. Bye for now. My father told me life is not a bit of-